0: amen oh how good is it hey what a great morning why don't you grab a seat why don't you grab a seat so good just to be able to be here to sing those words to to worship God together well welcome to true north if if we've not met my name's Dean I'm one of the pastors here and it's uh it's great to have you here uh great to be gathering first time 10 o'clock it's been a good morning so far you know it's uh we're gonna. Be, it's a great morning. If it's your first week here, great, great day to be here as well. Welcome. We're we're in a series right now where we're we're talking about uh, this idea of big rocks, and big rocks are those things in life that are are just key priorities. They're those things that are like, this is really important, this is, this is a big deal. And when you put in the big rocks first, it kinda helps make sense of all the other kinda little rocks in life. And, and, and so we're talking about some of the big rocks of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And going, you know, these are some key priorities that when we get them in place in our life, when we kinda wrap our, our minds, our hearts, our lives around them, it, it helps us make sense of a lot of the other, you know, pieces of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And, uh, and so last week we talked about this whole idea of spirit-led mission and how we got this, this great message, this good news is supposed to take into all the world and, and be led by Jesus in that. And today we're going to bring that a little bit more even, uh, I guess, personal. And we're going to talk about today uh, this big rock of evangelism. Now you hear that word and there are, are always different responses. Uh, If you hear that word, uh, as many people as we probably have in this room, you probably got that many different responses when you hear that word. Now, some of you, you don't normally come to church, and immediately, when I said that, you're like, far out, what have I gotten into today? (laughs) Why am I here? Uh, Can I leave? No, you can't. The doors are locked. But just kidding. I'm kidding. If you're here long enough, you see, I like to do that. I kid. I kid. I kid. But you're probably thinking, like, are you serious? Like, I didn't know this was that kind of place. I didn't know it was going to be kind of some fanaticals or you sort of think, you know, I hear that word and I just think, that's, oh, man. I, I just when you think about that, it's just, oh. There's other people who you, you've been following Jesus for a long time and you hear that word and you sort of think, oh, that, I, oh, I feel like, yeah, that's, I'm supposed to, you know, get excited about that. But to be honest, when I think about that word, that's not my first reaction. I get a bit of. You know, sweaty palms, I, I get feelings already, like my stomach's feeling, oh, we're going to talk, you know. You're thinking like, look, that's for, a, that's for the pros. Evangelism's not even something for me. I mean, that's for, you know, like super advanced people who, you know, really serious, you know. That's not for, for me. I'm not one of those people. Like, you think, oh, I'm going to talk to, oh, geez, you know what. Let, let somebody, let somebody who kind of knows the answers and the right thing to say, let them take care of it. Anybody resonate with some of those ex- responses? You know, and, uh, and and here's my hope. Uh, you know, if you're someone again who sort of looks and goes, "This is what I knew." You just a church. This is they always want to ram something down your throat. evangelism, you know, or if you're someone who sort of thinks like oh, I just I'm not quite sure about this, or or even you sort of feel like, yeah, no, I'm good. I get excited, but I, I want us to just think about this in some fresh ways today. And my hope as well, if you're not someone who normally comes to church, you're actually going to get a little, a little taste of of Jesus and who He is. And his heart beat for you and his heart beat for all people. Because the word evangelism actually means good news. And I've never known anybody who's afraid of good news. And I've never known anybody who's sort of like, keep your good news to yourself, please. <laughs> Don't want any of that good news. And, and so I want us, we're going to look at what, what does this look like? And so if you can kind of hang with me this morning. We're gonna, we're, we talk about as a church kind of reimagining evangelism. We've got to give it some fresh, uh, some fresh eyes because some of, of, of the pictures and paradigms and mindsets we may have inherited or experienced, uh, we want to try and renew those, relook at what, it, what this word is actually all about. So, we're going to look at uh, what evangelism, Jesus style, looked like. What did this actually look like in Jesus' life? Like, you know what, actually, maybe let's try and put to the side. All of the preconceptions, experiences we've had in life with or with this word, and let's actually try and set all that aside and say, what did this kind of look like for Jesus? And, and get a snapshot there. Here's, here's a little bit. I'll start with this. This is one of my uh, personal first experiences with uh, evangelism as a young person. Uh, I, I would go often in the summer, I would go to kind of Christian camps, not too dissimilar to what we do with our youth in the winters here. And But we go away for a week, and there was one year, I was about 15 or 16, I went to this particular camp, and you did all kinds of fun stuff, and you, you went and you played sport, you did, you know, lots of stuff, but kind of the... The spirit's component of the week was focused around evangelism and and teaching and training you how to do evangelism, how to share your faith. So all week long we kind of learned certain things, we learned certain material, we learned like how to do evangelism. So I think we ended up, we had kind of four steps, four things to say, question to ask, how to lead a person in prayer. So we kind of were trained in this all week long. And then on the end of the week, we kind of, there was probably, I don't know, 100, 150 kids at the camp. We were going to kind of descend on the unsuspecting town in which the camp was. And go do evangelism. And go around and strike up conversations and try and work this through. Now, I, I'm not here to disparage that approach at all. There's ways it served me well enough. But here was my experience that day. You, we went out in twos because that's how it works in the New Testament as well. So we're out in twos. And we're kind of looking for people to talk to. And then you got to strike up conversation. I'm like 15 or 16 or something. And you're just like talking to anybody. And you're trying, hey, can I talk to you, you know, about you know, your eternal destiny. And people like, yes, please. So we had a line like a mile long. It was just unbelievable. Tom was so grateful we were there. And and so I remember like, you know, shot dash, you know, kind of get away. And then I remember, though, there was this one lady who's like, yeah, I'd love to kind of, I can't remember what the opening question was. But she's like, yeah, let's, let, let's talk about this. And so we kind of talked through, okay, great. Well, let me kind of talk this through and ask this question and then went through kind of our four things. And, hey, can I, you know what, what do you think? Would you like to, to believe that, to receive that for yourself? Yeah, and we could lead you, we're going to lead you in a prayer right here. Here's the prayer. We're going to lead you in that. We let her through and we're like, yeah, high-fiving, you know, me and my friend, we're like killing it. And ladies like, well, actually, I should probably tell you, I'm already a Christian. Um, but I just love what you young people are doing, and I want to make you, you know, give you some encouragement. We're like, yeah, anyway, I'm gonna shake the dust off my feet and walk. No, just kidding. It was like that was still the best part of the day. And uh, here's the thing. For a lot of us who, you know, you you, you know, if you're again, you sort of knew you're like, this seriously this is what you people do, you know. And, uh, but for some of us, you're like, that right there is why you freak out and feel like, that's not for me. That's, that's for someone else. Because that's the thing, you know. Or, you know and if you're going to talk to somebody and really do event, evangel- I better make sure I've got one, two, three, four. And I don't even want to do it because I might miss three. And I know three is super important. I know there's things that are going to get left. So I'm a, I don't want to do this. And I want to just give us a, a fresh pit. Here's what evangelism Jesus style looked like. There's lots of places we get to turn. We're going to look at one particular story that comes to us in the book of Mark. It's in all the Gospels, and I want us just to read this. It's a little scene, a little snapshot in Jesus' life and what his ministry kind of looked like. It starts with this. Uh, it says, as he reclined. Now, to give you a little bit of background, the he here is Jesus. Jesus, just before we get to these verses, has invited uh, a tax collector to come follow him, to be one of his disciples, to be a follower, to kind of come with me, I'm going to teach you about life, I'm going to teach you to be, Jesus was a rabbi, we sometimes miss that, he was seen as a, a rabbi in his culture, and it's almost like he's, he's calling, like I'm going to train you, I'm going to teach you, you're going to be a teacher, that's all rabbi, meant. you're going to be a teacher, somebody who trains and, and, and shows others the ways of God, and uh, and so he says, come follow me, he calls his tax collector, now the thing about tax collectors in that day, uh, you know, may this be familiar, if you're familiar with the scriptures, if you're not a tax collector, and that's time you know you think right now if somebody's like hey you know you get to have a visit with somebody from the ATO this week you know <laughs> how excited would you be Like, oh great this would be the most fun since that kid from the camp came by you know like <laughs> <laughs> jeez, you know so you kind of now imagine this take that you know person who works at the ATO and combine them with like the leader of a gang <laughs> And somebody who's like not afraid to kind of use physical force to get what they want. So tax collector in their day was a bit of like a combination of somebody from the ATO and literally the leader of a gang as we might think of it today. There's reports of like tax collectors that would like literally beat up an old woman to find out some information about someone they were chasing their, uh, you know, kind of following up with on their taxes. These people were despised. And they were, they, not only did they do this, they, they were, you know, Matthew was a Jewish tax collector. He, he was doing this to his own kind of people that he was supposed to be tight with. And Jesus says, I want you to join the team and come follow me. And Matthew, we're told, just leaves it all. Says, I'm going to follow Jesus now. And, and the first thing he does is throw a party at his house and invite Jesus and all his, all his buddies, all his mates from his old life. He invites them all over. And this is what happens there. It says, as Jesus, as he reclined at a table in Matthew's house, many tax collectors, a whole bunch of these people, and sinners. And the word sinners here is talking about kind of people who were deliberately kind of violating the the Jewish law of their day. These were people who were sort of going, yeah, I know this is what we're supposed to do to be good kind of God following people, but I'm just, no, I'm not doing it. And so they were there and And it says they were all reclining with Jesus and his disciples. They're they're like, they're chilled. This is a banquet. It's a party. It's a feast. And they're all reclining. Literally, when they recline, they're laying on the floor on their shoulders. to eat, they drink and chat and all these things. It says there were many who followed. There's a lot of people pretty intrigued by him. And in verse 16, it says... That, and, and the scribes of the Pharisees, so this scene's taking place. Jesus, all his disciples, all these tax collectors, all these sinners, this whole kind of you know, ragamuffin bunch in this house having a party, chatting, eating, reclining. And it says the scribes of the Pharisees, the kind of good people, the religious people, they, they see that he's eating with sinners and tax collectors. And they say to his disciples, why does he, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And it's not really a question, it's actually a statement. Is there a way of saying, if, if he was the good teacher he's supposed to be, he would not be doing this. Because to eat and to drink together was a way of saying, look, we're, we're kind of, you know, we're, we're homies here. We're tight. We're, we're you know, we're on the table. It meant a lot more even than it would in our day. They say, why, is he, why does he do this? And it, we're told that you know they, they, they ask his disciples because so like yeah we're not you want to ask you wanna, let's just ask his, let's ask his, let's not bother Jesus let's just talk to his disciples but Jesus hears this and it says that when he heard it he said to them listen those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick he says I came to call uh, not the not the righteous but sinners and in so doing here what Jesus does is is he's going to like flip on its head their whole idea of what it looks like to be a good teacher, to be a, a good, uh, you know, person who's out there doing ministry. Uh, that this is what it looks like to be a, a, a good follower. He's going to flip it on its head and he says, look, you guys, you guys sort of look at this and think, why am I not eating with the good people? If you were a good teacher, you were supposed to spend time with good people, with other educated people, well-rounded people, good religious people, people who had their act together. And Jesus says, that's not who I came for. And what he's really saying, he says, I came not to call the righteous. He's really saying, I came not to call those who think they're righteous. It's actually a bit of a sarcastic remark because Jesus makes it really clear that no one is actually righteous. No one's actually got their act together. What Jesus is saying, I didn't come for people who think they've got it all together. I came to call sinners, those who know they have need of God. And he says, you know, he says, you guys think that, you know, he's like, doctors, they didn't come to spend their time with. Everybody's got it all together. He says, this is who I came for. So this is what Jesus sees as core. This is why it's a big rock for us. If this is why Jesus came, how much more as his followers should this be at the core of what we are here to do? And here is what it looks like when we think about Jesus. This is why this can be at the core for any of us. You think, oh, I can't, not for me. Here's what it looked like. Here's how Jesus actually did this. The, the, the first kind of thing you've got to notice about this is that for Jesus, evangelism was invitational. This whole story starts with Jesus inviting a tax collector. He says, look, come, follow me, join the team, come with me. That is an invitation. And then his follower here, Matthew, the first thing he does when he decides to follow Jesus is he invites all his friends over and says, you got to meet this guy. Imagine what that invitation would have looked like for Matthew there. I mean, this guy has been on the fringe of society. You know, these guys hung out only together because everybody else disliked them. Imagine what it looked like for him to kind of, you know, shoot the group text out and be like, guys, everybody party at my place. I'm following Jesus now. I'm leaving tax collecting. I mean, all these guys would have been like, have you lost your mind? (laughs) This is a guilt complex. Dude, it will pass. Don't. Leave being a tax collector. You'll never even be accepted. When you go, you're done. Like what? All his friends would have thought he was crazy. But he invites them. He says, look, I I, I imagine there would have been a part of him going, look, I I almost can't even explain it. Listen, come to my house. We're going to eat. We're going to drink. We're going to have a party. And I just want you to meet this guy. You just got to see him. You know, evangelism, I believe, is meant to be invitational. Everybody can invite somebody... To just come and see. Jesus, when you look at his language, he's always using words like, look, come follow me. Just, just come with me. Uh, you know, people are like, hey, Jesus, where do you live? He's like, hey, come and see. You know, even the Old Testament when uh, we, we get this great phrase in the Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. Coming to know God is always an invitation. It is actually, you know, in this picture of them all around this banquet table, all these tax collectors, sinners, people from the fringes, people who have done bad things with their lives all around the table with Jesus. It's a picture of how one day in the, when, when in the, in the kingdom comes in fullness, there'll be a banquet in heaven. And it'll be like a feast and there'll be people from all walks of life, nations, all will be gathered around. And it's a table that we're invited to. Do you know, when, when I was a kid and that whole approach is predicated on the idea that evangelism is, is kind of propositional. Here's a set of truth, and facts, not disputing that those things may be true, but here's a set of truth and facts, and if you will just accept those propositions, then, you know, you're kind of in. Some of us think that that's the way evangelists, it's just propositional, when it's actually invitational. It's an invitation to know Jesus, to get around the table with Jesus, to walk with him, to follow him, to know that same follow me goes out to each and every one of us that we can now begin to follow him. Do you know, I, I think... Banquets, parties, feasts, they are some of the spaces where people could potentially best encounter Jesus. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll demonstrate it by, by telling you about what I think could possibly be the worst kind of party you could find yourself at. Has anyone ever been invited to a Tupperware party? <laughs> and yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> Yes, that was, that was definitely some telling laughter. And um, now listen, Tupperware stuff's great, you know. And, and don't don't be offended if you love to. I love the stuff. I've gotten from there. Have been wonderful and literally lasts forever. I, you know, we all, it does. I I remember a, a little while back being invited to a Tupperware party. Had a friend, and she's like, "Hey, my friend is selling Tupperware. You know, could you come?" The uh, party's gonna be on Saturday morning. And I was like, Saturday morning? Seriously? I could do that? Yes! Let's get to that Tupperware. But she's, you know, she's a friend and she invites all her friends. Now, here's the thing about this particular Tupperware party the lady who sold the Tupperware uh, was not a, not a Christian, not a follower of Jesus. Uh, every other person, the host and every other person who was invited, was a follower of Jesus. So we've gotta go to this, you know, Tupperware party and, you know, you're like, this'll just be awesome. Can't wait. And uh, so we're there, and, and you know, we're seeing all stuff. It's indestructible stuff. If you don't have it, it's amazing. You throw it on the ground, it'll still hold stuff, you know? Um, but, you know, we're going through it, but we're just like, you know, and it's, it was mostly couples. It wasn't, it was like half, half blokes, half, half ladies. We're all just there, but we're having fun, like, you make the most of those, you know? And so we're just having fun. There's nothing kind of unusual, like, apart from the fact that we're all sitting looking at Tupperware, you know, there's nothing unusual. And we're just chatting, but the, the crazy thing was, like, that, that week, the lady whose party it was, she calls her friend who hosted it, our friend. She says, I've never been in a group of people like that before. What was that? And she's like, what, what do you mean? She's like, I've just never been, like, it was like, there was so much joy. Like, it was just so fun. There was so much joy. Like, I host these things all the time. I've never been in a party like that. What was it? And my friend said, well, it's just because everybody's, you know, in her words, said, everybody's Christians. Everybody's following Jesus here. And when you get a group of people together, I don't care if it's a Tupperware party. If it's genuine followers of Jesus, something should happen. Because where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. And even when you're just being you, but when you're, a, you're beginning to experience the life of the kingdom for yourself and you gather with others, something changes. And because this is, you know, and if it can happen in a Tupperware party, It can happen anywhere. It just takes people who are following Jesus, living the life of the kingdom. It didn't have to, like, lay out a, a, a bunch of, hey, check all this out. Just got to be who we were as Christ followers. And this lady say, what is that? Where do I get it? Now, the cool thing we see, Jesus' style, it's invitational. Every one of us can invite people. We can invite people to our houses. We can invite people for dinner. We can invite people to church. Do you know, sometimes we like, oh, evangelists, be really serious. If it's evangelist, you better have made sure you got through one, two, three, four, and then close the deal. Or it's not evangelism. I can't imagine why people don't like this word. Anyway, any one of us can invite people. Look, just come, check it out. You know, whenever I meet people and I want to talk with them about faith and we begin to get in those kinds of conversations or whenever I meet someone, I always, I always just look for an opportunity just to invite them to church. Oh, look, just come. Just come check it out. Just come see. You know, just, just come along. Do you live an invitational lifestyle? Do you actually think, you know what, this life is so good. I would want to invite anybody just to get a taste of what it looks like. Anybody can do that. It takes no special training. Now, the other thing we see about uh, Jesus' style is it's also incredibly relational. Uh, You know, the thing that was throwing everybody kind of into, we just can't, Jesus, like, too much. Somebody talk to his disciples. Somebody say something. This is not right. Why is he at the table eating and drinking with those people? What is going on? You know what you see about Jesus' approach? It is incredibly relational. And when I say relational, it's not just that, that he was like, yeah. So, it, you know, he's not, not only is he at the table, he is so incredibly embracing of these people that, that it is just tripping out all of their understood notions of how this was supposed to work. Because it wasn't just that he's like eating and, and drinking and they're like, you know, it, it was that to do that meant you are communicating that you're with them, that like you are in relationship to them, not just like you know them or they're acquainted, like you are, you are tight with them. And the thing that, uh, that, that was hard for them was they felt like Jesus You don't get that close to people, that relationally connected, that tight with people until they kind of figure some of these things out. You know, they wanted to see, actually the Pharisees, we give them a bad name. They actually wanted people to know what it was like to follow God. That was their heart. But their paradigm was that for us to be able to do that, their behavior has to change first. Otherwise, we can't get that close. We can't get that tight. Because that's just, it's just not right. Jesus is so relational that he's willing to, to almost make it uncomfortable to everyone else how closely he's willing to be, willing to be connected to people who clearly, to, to the people looking on, just don't have it all together. And why? Because Jesus is really clear that none of us will ever have it all together. And we can think that, yeah, I have kind of got my behavior sorted out, but Jesus is like, you will you just, I'm not come to call the righteous, the people who think they've got it all together. I've come for those who know they, they need a healer for their soul. So he's relational. You know, I think one of the things we've got to ask ourselves, are we willing to get so up close and personal with people that, uh, are, 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 are just, you know, that, that would make people almost uncomfortable how relationally connected we're willing to get with people who uh, clearly are not walking in, in God's ways. The, the word sinners there was sort of like, here's what it looks like, uh, you know, holiness in our day looks like this, and these are people who are saying, we're just flaunting that, and Jesus is willing to just be completely, tightly connected with them because that's who he's come for, for every one of us. The other thing we see about Jesus' approach, and this works for all of us, is that it was conversational. You know, and not only is he relationally accepting of them, and, and yet at the same time he is conversational. You know what, what, what parties and, and eating and reclining around a table are good for? They're not good for, here, let me tell you a few things about you. They're not great for let me tell you a few things about your life. Or let me just sort of present you with a a bit of a a speech here. They are great places for conversation. And I think this is one of those approaches that that we need to sort of reimagine and recapture for our day. That actually, you know, the, the kind of news we have to share, it is meant to be conversational. You know, Jesus, if you want to do a great study, watch Jesus through the New Testament, the conversations he has with different people. You will never, you know, I I got trained that day. And again, I'm not disparaging it. I did some great things in my life, some of the things I learned that week. But can I tell you something? You know, it was sort of like, here's what you do. Jesus never has the same conversation twice. The whole New Testament. He talks to everybody from super religious leaders to, like, you're not even allowed to talk to these people. He talks to them all. And he never has the same conversation twice. What he is is a master of conversation. And helping connect the dots of life to the kingdom of God. And you just know that on that night, as they were reclining around the table, as they were eating and drinking, that they would, no one would have walked away and said, well, that was a boring conversation. We don't know what the conversation looked like, but we know nobody walked away going, gee, that was a little dull. Because every time you watch, Jesus just, he speaks words of life. He speaks words that connect with people. There's a, a, a book called The Celtic Way of Evangelism. It, it, it talks about the life of Patrick. We know him as St. Patrick. And, and Patrick, uh, he's got a, a long story we can't go all into today. But one of the things it talks about is what it was like for Patrick when he left sort of the, the civilized world, Anglo-Saxon world he did where, that he knew, where everybody kind of had dotted the T's. And, you know, they dotted the T's and they crossed the I's the way you're supposed to do it, only the opposite. But anyway... It was a long time ago, and in those days, in the literature, the eyes had, anyway, but, you know, that he lived in a world where, like, you know what, actually the dominant force was was Christianity, and so everybody was kind of ticking all the boxes, and then he left because he felt God called him back to to Ireland, which at that point in time was sort of like a barbaric place, and he goes back, and one of the parts, and and then he ends up transforming through his, you know, ministry and work over the, the time to come, transforms, Ireland entirely, but one of the core pieces of his strategy that we could do well to to recapture today was something that they called the ministry of conversation, the ministry of conversation. It is so much easier to stand and declare to people, you know, propositional truth or what they need to know. It is so much more challenging yet so much more dynamic and so much more life-giving to engage in conversation. And what it requires What it requires is also us to be so deeply immersed in the kingdom of God that we know how to communicate in any conversation, how do I connect you to the kingdom of God? How do I connect you to the good news of who Jesus is and the life you could know in his name? Because you can't just sort of like learn a script. You have to be so deeply living in connection with Jesus that you're able to have conversations that bring life. And light into people's lives. You know, tonight, actually, we're going to spend the whole uh, evening service message. I'm going to talk just about this one thing. How do we have conversations that have some grit to them? How do we have conversations that actually help connect people to the kingdom of God? What does that look like? And so, if you if you're free tonight, and that's something you think, you know, I want that. I want to. I want to. I want to be able to. I don't want to just have conversations with people about like, yeah, what do you do for a living, and 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 how many, you know, um, how many kids do you have, and that's it, and I'm done. I got nowhere to go from there. How do we have conversations that that leave people walking away going, wow, maybe they're maybe they're not there ready to just kind of sign up, but they're going, gee, that there's something in that. Let's let, we're gonna we're gonna look into that. You know these. These three things, they kind of picture evangelism in in sort of some fresh ways. And they, when we look at Jesus, you know, this was how you see him. And you can watch him in moment after moment, live out these kinds of principles. Just being invitational. Come follow me. Come see. Come check it out. You know, come to my house. Come and see. We, We see him being relational. Getting so deeply immersed in relationships, just up close and personal. Not standing at a distance from people, but willing to get around the table and into people's lives. Go deep with them. And we see him being conversational in incredible ways. Always able to speak to the, the kind of deepest parts of a person's heart and connect them back to the love of their Heavenly Father. Can I ask you something? Is there one of those, maybe today, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're here and again, you're sort of like, oh, I hope you know today, this is, this is the heartbeat, that there is some incredible news in who Jesus is and what the kingdom of God is all about. And I hope one day you're able to just connect your life to it. But if you're here and you're somebody who said, you know, you've been following Jesus for all, is there one of those that you think, you know, what? I want to live a little bit more like that. I, I want to I be a little bit more invitational in the way I live. I want to be a little bit more willing to just go, hey, I don't know, just come and see. You know, somebody's like, well, do you, how can you believe this or that? You look, I, I, I can't explain everything to you. It'll take, you know what, but why don't you just come and see? You know what? You know, one of the reasons we, uh, as we, after, after our, our time of gathering here today, you'll, we're going to do some fun things. We're going to hang out outside. You know why we like to create these spaces? One of the primary reasons, because it's when we actually spend time, in in community together, the people can often actually get to taste and experience what it's all about in ways that are different when we gather like this. It's not one's better or worse, but there's a difference of what can happen. You know, is it being invitational? Is it being relational? Is it about going, you know what, actually, Lord, I, would you help me to make sure I don't end up putting barriers or walls that keep me at a distance from people because I don't want to, you know, unintentionally communicate the wrong thing. Is it about, you know... Going, you know what, actually, I want to grow in my ability to have conversations about the kingdom of God that meet people where they are. Lord, would you help me to, to lean into that? These are uh, just small steps and practices we can take. But imagine, imagine, you know, imagine instead of like a whole, you know, kind of little group of a of, of hundred um, people Descending on an unsuspecting community to try and tell them you got to this, 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 and this real quick. Imagine instead a whole army of people who are so deeply relationally engaged with the world around them. They're pointing out the kingdom of God everywhere. And they're helping connect people to the reality of who Jesus is in in powerful ways. Can I encourage you to pick one of those this week? I'm going to pray for us this morning and just want to ask that God would be just moving in a great way amongst us and amongst us as a church, because Jesus came, not to call the righteous, but he came for those who know they have need of a Savior, and we want to be focused in that same way. Would you bow with